0: It can be frustrating if you have a two-year-old who won't sit during meals. We know that meal times are an important time to connect with family during a busy day. And of course, we're all worried. Is my two-year-old getting enough nutrition? And it's understandable that getting a two-year-old to sit down and stay seated can be a challenging task. And that's exactly what we'll talk about in this episode.
1: Are there days you feel you've had it with the sleepless nights, the temper tantrums, the constant fatigue of trying to keep up with an active baby? Does it feel like you're always working so hard as a parent, trying to do everything for your kids and family, and yet it never feels enough? We get it. You love your child more than anything, and yet parenting is also exhausting and challenging, especially when you're bombarded with criticism and pressure to be the perfect parent, which, spoiler alert, does not exist. That's why we created Discerning Parenting, the podcast that helps you cut through the noise and focus on what truly matters in your parenting journey. This podcast is jam-packed with valuable insights and practical tips specifically tailored for parents of kids age five and below. So join us and discover how you can use the combined power of science, knowing your child and your own intuition in making the best parenting decisions for you and your family.
0: episode of the Discerning Parenting Podcast. We'll talk about what to do if you have a two-year-old who won't sit during mealtimes. Maybe you've felt resigned to chasing your toddler around the house just so they will eat. So listen on. There are some tweaks and maybe some suggestions that we can do to improve mealtimes. So first, let's talk about recognizing our toddler's hunger cues. Kids who are hungry and really need to eat at that time are more likely to stay seated at the table. And here are some ways to help ensure that our kids are in a condition to be better able to stay seated. So don't allow grazing on snacks throughout the day. I know there are some on the internet who say that you should always have prepared snacks available that your toddler can get through any time throughout the day. Well, it depends on you. But if you notice that it's a struggle for your child to stay seated, you may want to have these snacks available only at certain times of the day. Also, have a good balance of active time and rest time. The World Health Organization recommends that toddlers should have at least 180 minutes, that's three hours of active time each day, spread throughout the day. If most of the time they're sedentary, They may not be hungry enough, and they may not be able to stay seated because they haven't had enough movement. Also, you can offer two to three food choices that are acceptable to you. And this doesn't have to be complicated. It can be as easy as, let's say, having two kinds of fruit available. And also, practice responsive feeding. What is responsive feeding? Responsive feeding is all about the connection between you and your child. And that is always what we emphasize in our courses or when we talk about feeding. Feeding is not just about the food, but it's about a relationship. So for example, your toddler can give an appetite cue, like they look at you, they reach for the food, or they open their mouth, and you respond based on the cue. Your toddler can choose what to eat and how much. And toddlers can communicate whether verbally or non-verbally, whether they're hungry or whether they're full. For young babies, they can communicate that they're full. If, for example, the caregiver will introduce a spoon to the baby's mouth and then the baby will turn away, that is the baby communicating that they are full or they do not want to eat. And we want to respond to that cue. We do not want to force feed a baby who is turning away from the spoon. Or maybe a toddler flat out saying no and then refusing to eat. When we are attentive to our kids' hunger cues, you are recognizing your child's innate ability to regulate their own hunger. And we allow them to recognize their cues, their sensory cues. And this is called interoception. Interoception means... Us recognizing what is going on inside our body and recognizing these body sensations. And one of these is recognizing that we are hungry and that we are full. And we don't want to interfere with this by force feeding them even if they're already full. And if we practice responsive feeding, it decreases the likelihood that later in life they're going to have problems such as excessive weight gain because they are learning how to listen to their body and have a healthy relationship with food. So, if your child is genuinely not hungry, try not to force him to stay seated at the dining table. And also, let's try not to get into the habit of slipping a gadget or a tablet just to keep them sitting. Why? Because if a child is distracted by a gadget, they may not realize that they're already full. And they may learn to ignore their own hunger cues and their own satiety cues and just keep on eating because they're distracted by gadgets. This isn't different from, let's say, somebody who is a couch potato sitting in front of a TV and simply binging on snacks. Another way to help them stay seated is to find support for their feet. Make sure their feet are supported. So, for example, in the high chair, there should be a footrest or you may need to put a stool. Because kids may need that sensation. They may need that input to their feet rather than having their legs dangling. They may need to be feeling something there. So whether your child is in a booster seat or sitting on an adult chair at the table, you can use a stool, a chair, or a box that they can rest their feet on top of and they can feel balanced. And this can also help them feel more comfortable And this can lessen distractions and the desire to get out of their seat. And check also that their hips, knees, and ankles are at 90 degree angles for proper posture. Now, I know this can be quite challenging, especially for toddlers. There's this awkward phase where they're too big for the high chair. And they may also be too big for the booster chair. But they're still too small for that adult chair. And this can be an especially challenging time. So, again, we can be creative about this. It depends on the chair that you have. It depends on your dining table. There are some dining tables that are higher. So, it may be more of a challenge for your child to participate in the feeding process because the table is too high. So, you may need to look at what adjustments you may need to make. And create a routine. The next tip is to create a routine. It would be helpful to have a timely routine of meals and snacks so that your child will know what to expect and what is expected of them. If you want help in creating a routine, head over to discerningparenting.com toolkit. And one of the resources in this parenting toolkit is about creating a routine that works for toddlers. And it's a visual routine. It includes pictures that can help young kids also to stick to the routine. Finally, model the desired behavior. At this age, kids learn most from what they observe others doing rather than from what to tell them. So we can model the behavior that we want our kids to do, like sitting upright, using the utensils, paying attention to our own hunger cues, and putting away screens during meals, and then sitting at the table to eat listening and talking respectfully to each other during mealtimes, and we can also talk about our own hunger cues. Like, for example, we can say things like, this tastes so good, but I feel full now, so I'm going to stop eating. And we can also show them that it's okay not to finish everything on our plates instead of saying, please, just one more bite. I know that some of us may have been raised when we were kids. We were told, you have to clean up your plate. And for every tiny bit of food that is on your plate, when you grow up, you're going to get a pockmark on your face. But saying things like these will teach them to ignore their own hunger cues. And this can lead to poor eating habits later in life. And finally... And this is something that I don't see people talking about anywhere else. It's possible to be doing all of these things and your child still won't sit. Some people won't even acknowledge that this is even possible. For example, if a toddler won't sit during mealtimes, people often say, of course you're doing something wrong. But it's possible to do all these things and for mealtimes to still be a struggle. And if that's the case, you may need to look into whether there may be something more. Are there issues with sensory processing? For example, maybe the toddler is hypersensitive to the smells around the kitchen or dining table. Or maybe the toddler really craves constant movement. We have also worked with kids who have feeding issues that would benefit from professional help, whether from a developmental pediatrician or a pediatric gastroenterologist, a feeding therapist, occupational therapist, a nutritionist, or even an entire feeding team. So there you have it to help your child stay seated on the table, recognize their cues, practice responsive feeding, find a good sitting position that includes supporting their feet, create a routine, model the desired behavior, and provide opportunities for autonomy and for self-feeding. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to head over to discerningparenting.com slash toolkit. We have more resources like these for parents of kids age 5 and below. And this includes a routine chart that you can use to build the routine that can make it easier for mealtimes. So thank you for listening and follow the Discerning Parenting podcast so you don't miss an episode.